Welcome to Camera Shake Podcast, episode 125, the podcast where we talk about photography, videography, and anything and everything that's got anything to do with any of that. And uh, let me just say this, if you are listening to the audio version of this podcast, be advised that there's a fully colored, technicolored version over on YouTube. So if our sultry voices aren't enough for you and you want to see our beautiful faces in full technicolor, head over to YouTube. So in today's episode, we have another special guest on the show. Um, I'm really glad uh, that she's on the show today because uh, we've been talking about it for a little while. Uh, please welcome the uh, internationally published beauty, fashion, portrait photographer, uh, photography speaker, and Kelby One instructor. Give it up for Sean Elizabeth. Sean, how are you? Hello. Wow, what an introduction. Thank you very much. I'm good, thank you. How are you? <laughs> I'm okay. I'm okay, yes. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been on a massive walk this morning, so uh, yeah, I like you know feeling refreshed. Used, oh, no, I'm not used to, I'm not used to that much exercise on a, on a Saturday morning. So right <laughs> here, there you go. Um, Sean, it's it's amazing to have you on the show. Thank um, you. I've actually I just remembered how we first met in person uh, recently at a photography show. I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like. Hi, uh, I know you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We were like literally walking past each other. It was like, yeah. Uh, wait a minute, double take. <laughs> oh, that's sure. <laughs> <Hello>. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah, I love the show for that though, because you just go there and because you've, especially over the past couple of years with COVID, you know, you've kind of talked to people on the internet and then you actually see people in person. Like, is it that person? Is that what they look like? It is that person. I should yeah. go say hi. <laughs> yeah, and plus, you know, there's so many people there that you might only know from, I don't know, from YouTube or from like, mm -hmm. you know, watching, I don't know, training videos or like, you know, and you sort of think, is that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, sometimes I have, I walk past Tommy mm -hmm. a couple of times and and, you know, every time I walk past him, I'm like, hey, wait a minute, was it Tommy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it sort of eventually just, uh, eventually clicked. But um, yeah. but it was, yeah, it was a good show, actually, it I was thought. Really, it was a really good show, actually. And it was so good to just see everyone and all the brands kind of all back there under under one roof to go and have a look and try out new things. And, of course, spend some money that you don't have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, no, it was, it was really good. But, um, yeah, it's a shame that it's not going to happen next year but completely understandable because they want to change it back to march which i think is, is a probably a better time for most people so um yeah definitely looking to, forward to march 24 now and i think it's going to be huge because now everyone's kind of wanting to you know get back to it and and see right. everyone again and yeah it's going to be a really good one next time so can't wait for that one exactly yes it's a year and a half so for anybody yes. who's yeah. uh, who's interested in uh, coming to the photography show which if you are Anywhere close to the UK, I highly recommend it. Although we also, mm. there were lots of people who flew over from abroad um, to be at the so show. Many. The yeah, yeah, so many. Yeah, there were so many. And um, and so, yeah, if you are interested in uh, in uh, go to, coming to the show, then uh, it's going to be March 2024, mm -hmm. in fact. Uh, over book, at... book those hotels quickly because they get full up. So. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I had, a, I had a bit of a thing. I actually got upgraded to my hotel, luckily. Oh, really? Well, yeah. That was nice. Yeah, it was nice. Um, and... Uh, <sighs> My first booking didn't go through for some reason, um, right. but that was a problem on on like on the hotel's website, you know. Mm. Um, and then the second time I went through and everything, and then but then they want you to use an app to check in and out and everything, right? Okay, yeah, which is cool, you know, no problem. Um, but then when I set up the app, I got this mm. error message saying like, "Oh no, you're gonna have to talk to reception when you get there because it's not right. working." Like, oh god, what's the point of this app then? Da, da, da. Anyway, and then when I turned up, I got upgraded. Yes. Oh, sweet. I yeah, know. brilliant. I know. Exactly. <laughs> I'll still... It doesn't, it doesn't often that... Uh, well, it doesn't happen that often, does it? You kind of get there and you get some good news rather than, oh, actually, we don't have your room or your room's not ready. Or... Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nice. So, so that was good. Anyway, now you also... Um, you were obviously at a show, but you're also sort of working on the show because um, you, you did a number of talks at the show, which I found yeah. really uh, fascinating, I have to say. Yes. Um, yeah. One of one of your um, one of your talks was uh, about living with ME, and that was a yes. that was really again it was it's completely eye opening because for I mean I have to say I mean I may have heard of ME before but I really had no idea what the you know what the effects are and how it can affect yeah. you. So if you if you could uh, tell our viewers and listeners. Might you call them viewers and listeners? Because that's what they are. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, 
anyway, um, <laughs> if you could tell our viewers and listeners uh, what ME is. Oh, I mean, there's a nice way and there's a horrible way to put it. Um, I guess ME is, it for a lot of people, it kind of turns you almost into like uh, like a walking, walk, like the walking dead, basically. It's uh, It's one of those chronic illnesses which does completely rob you of every aspect of your life. And it's, I, I won't sugarcoat it. It's it's the the past couple of years have been like so so tough, um, but it, it's kind of it's otherwise known as as chronic fatigue syndrome. Although there are some differences, so ME is myalgic encephalitis. Now this is it. I can't say it. <laughs> Encephalomyelitis, um, and it's basically where your whole body um, it feels you know, heavy um, everywhere, aches. Um, it's basically like trying to walk through mud kind of thing. Um, and that's when you just like, you wake up and you don't feel refreshed from sleep. Um, you can have loads of other different symptoms with it, including, uh, light sensitivity and noise sensitivity. Uh, you should have nausea. I mean, there's all these other different like sub, um, sub symptoms that you get with it. And it's just, it's definitely been a learning curve and it's been tough to try and kind of find out what works for me and what doesn't work. Um, and say going through the pandemic and having to learn to go through it without much help because at the time obviously all of the, the medical services were you know basically concentrating on COVID so I had to go away and do a lot of kind of research on myself and, and find out what what it was and actually a couple of my friends live with ME too um, and over the years they kind of you know found what works for them and they gave me some kind of tips on on what works for them and and you know whether it might work for me too so the main thing with ME is pacing and you have to learn how much energy each activity or thing takes. So for instance, this podcast today might take three spoons. Now there's a whole theory about it. It's just called the spoon theory. Mm-hmm. Um, and for healthy people, you have like unlimited spoons every day to use. And you could use like three spoons on, uh, say going on the internet or two spoons having a shower it could be four spoons going for a drive and that kind of thing and for healthy people you have like unlimited spoons but for people with chronic illness you have a limited amount of spoons and they don't roll over to the next day so where you may have like for instance 100 spoons um i might have 10 for the day and of that you know say two is for you know uh, a shower three is like a, you know a podcast or something um, and then once they're gone, that's it. I can't do anything else for the rest of the day. So it's definitely a learning process and learning how to use that energy and, you know, and focus on things that matter and, and don't get, you know, kind of annoyed at yourself because it's difficult because when your brain sometimes is ticking over and you're like, oh, I want to do this, I want to do that. And then your body's like, no, <laughs> not today. Sure. So yeah, it's tough. It really is tough. But, you know, I doing the photography show when I when I first got the confirmation that I could you know, be on stage and speak, um, I was in a much better place. And then when it came to September, my symptoms had got a lot worse. So that lead up to the photography show, I was kind of resting as much as I could and doing everything to try and just get even get there. So instead of worrying about, oh, will anyone turn up to listen? Or, you know, will I be nervous up on stage? Or what if I forget some words or anything? I'd none of those things kind of even entered my mind. It was like, am I even going to get there? So, um, yes, it's it's a learning curve. And there's a lot of people out there who have not just ME, um, but, you know, chronic, chronic illnesses and chronic pain who I feel like because now I'm going through it, I feel like perhaps we're forgotten about a bit, you know, we still have the same dreams and the same desires and we still want to go and do stuff and achieve things. But the world is very ableist, if you like. There's not a lot out there for people, you know, with who are suffering in in silence, I guess. So, right. the talk for me was important to try and share, a, you know, kind of give a voice to those perhaps that were, you know, that haven't had a voice before. And I know that sounds a bit corny, um, but I've been trying to find people, you know, to look up to in the industry who might be in a similar situation. Um, and actually, after the show. I had so many people contact me who were there and said that, you know, listening to how I've adapted and, and, you know, things that I've done to be able to still do photography, um, you know, they said it was, it meant so much to them and it inspired them and 
yeah, it's kind of helped them in a way to go, well, I'm not going to compare myself to a healthy person because it's just, it's unfair. It's not, it's not a fair battle. So, um, the responses I had were just, yeah, they, they made it all worthwhile and the crash that follows, yeah, it was, it made it worth it because it was, yeah, it was brilliant. <laughs> yes. So. I mean, you know, I, I saw your, I sat in the audience, I, I listened to your talk um, and I have to say, you know, I came away thinking, wow, this is, I thought it was really powerful. You Thank know, because you. it applies, it applies to uh, people who suffer from, you know, uh, illnesses like me. But it also applies to to many many photographers who suffer from, um, you know, for instance, mel- mental health issues that are not visible or, or conditions yeah. generally that yes. are not visible. You know, it's it's relatively easy yeah. to see that somebody's disabled when they're missing a leg. You know. Yes. Um, yeah. But when, you know, when, when there's nothing visible um, about a person, it's, right. it's for for any abled body person. In a very covers, yeah, um, yeah. It, you know, it's 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 so easy to forget that not ever just well, because we can't see something very yeah, specific, exactly. it doesn't mean that somebody is one hundred percent, you know, uh, capable of doing the same things that that you can do. You know, um, okay. I mean, I've, I I sometimes find that you know this is in no way in no way comparable, but I you know I sometimes find like oh man, you know, when I was twenty, I do a lot more things than I can do now. <laughs> You know, um, you know, it just yeah. just keep it up with my daughter is difficult. Yeah, age is a whole other other factor, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's yeah. like yeah, you know, everything starts to creak, and you know, yeah, yeah, it's it's that you know, and it's it, but it's also like it's. I mean, I, I think the way that you described you so finite resources of energy in 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 spoons is actually a really good way of describing that. You know, yeah, um, because I, I you know, I come across that sometimes where I find like. You know, it's like four o'clock, and I'm I'm done. Like my energy levels are yeah. gone. You know, and I've mm-hmm. and there's just really nothing else I could do. Um, you know, and it's in my case, it's I don't think I'm I don't think necessarily suffer from any particular condition. It's I'm slightly I'm sort of pre-diabetic, as I say, and that yeah. uh, has an impact on my energy levels very often as well. Um, yeah, you know. All right. So when when were you first diagnosed with me, and how? how how did you how did you first get to the point where you thought, well, actually, no, there's something that I need to look into a little further. There's something not quite right. Um, I mean, so it's quite funny. I've just had all of my medical records to go through. It's a, it's a long process just to see if there's anything that I can help um, myself kind of day to day in energy levels. And um, it's the, the fatigue kind of, I, I first started noticing it back in 2016 um so obviously it was it was enough that it was actually you know affecting me back then um and then it was kind of just before uh pandemic really um and a gp kind of said well we'll do all these blood tests and we'll go through all these other various tests and everything to rule everything out and you know if it's if you i think they describe it as if you're 50 percent um if your energy levels is 50 percent of your normal energy uh for a period of six months or longer then that's when they kind of start looking at um you know cfs or you know chronic fatigue or me so um but i had a lot of muscle pain as well which is why they said me um because i think you know sometimes it can get blurred you know they're they're chronic fatigue and and me you know they're very similar but there's yeah say the slight difference between them so um so yeah it was it was kind of it wasn't something I wanted to hear and I think it took me I mean I think it's still taking me time to kind of just to process that and, and every day actually is kind of a grieving process you know I wake up going oh today I want to do this and then you know I have to rein it back in and go yeah, yeah I can't um and it is difficult because I always feel like I'm a bit behind but then I've I'm learning that I have to work with my body when it allows me to do things and I have to just still be grateful that you know, I can still do things because there, there are people out there who are suffering with severe ME and they are completely med bound. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, you know, wish them so much love and, and, and everything because it's, it's, it must be so difficult. I mean, it's, I found it enormously difficult and, you know, say people living with long COVID now as well, they're very similar to chronic yeah. fatigue. So, um, there's more, I say since COVID has, has happened, there's, I think more funding and more research and more interest into, the crossover with chronic fatigue and ME. So in some ways, obviously the pandemic was horrible for the world, but for those living with ME and chronic fatigue, it's kind of almost been, you know, like a, not a lifeline, but a, um, 
people are taking it more seriously, um, I think. And so there's, there's, I think people are taking more of an interest in and looking at why it happens. And there's, there's a huge, um, uh, it's called uh, Decode ME, and it's a, a huge, um, I don't know if it's international or it's just UK, but they're doing a big study um, for everyone's um, DNA sample for, for those living with ME to see if there are any genetically you know, different uh, parts in their uh, in their DNA right. uh, to see, yeah, if they can find a cure, basically, yeah. or to find if there is a difference that can help. So, yeah. Um, oh, did I mention that brain fog is one of them? So if I... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, one of the symptoms. So if I say something, it doesn't quite add up. Yeah, just give me a minute. <laughs> well, isn't it amazing yeah. how, how far medical technology has come that we can look at, you know, the DNA um, of people and yeah. find similarities? It's actually, that's a funny story, completely unrelated. Well, except for the DNA part. Um, I went yeah. out with uh, with some friends the other day and um, my friend Mark and his, his wife were there. They, they went, guys, we've got, a, we've got something to tell you all. And we're like, uh-oh, are they pregnant? <laughs> because like, <laughs> well, you know, we've been doing this DNA uh, ancestry thing. We've been taking part in this in this program, and you know, oh, yeah. they basically decode your DNA and they find out where your family history lies and where you know where yes, your ancestors yeah. come from. And you're like, well, you know, we're both uh, we're both Jewish, so we, you know, um, so it all goes back to the Middle East, which is you know, which which was obvious. Okay, cool. And I'm like, so what is it? He's like, well, turns out we're second cousins. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> like, okay. <laughs> oh my goodness! So, yes, yeah, so that's when you just you don't want yeah, to exactly. know. It's like, oh wow. Well. <laughs> <No. laughs> anyway, oh. <laughs> um, you during your talk, uh, there was one image that you used, which was which was I thought was really quite powerful. Where you describing the effects of ME, um, but when you have yeah. you know when everything comes crashing down, you um, you said yeah. it's like a ton of weight sitting on your body. And you just can't move. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a. I can't really describe it. I mean, I, I guess if you've had flu, and you know, I, I think that someone said if you if you have you know the difference between cold and right. a flu because a cold, if you saw like twenty pound on the floor, you'd be able to go and walk and pick it up. But if you had the flu, you you just don't have the energy yeah. to. And I guess kind of, um, yeah, it's almost similar where you you know it's just so much like pressure and heaviness on your body and you literally just can't move right. anything and if you do it hurts so you know you could have your phone next to you and you'd be sort of like lying on the bed and you, you know want to scroll or do something because you're just kind of right. lying there <laughs> um you can't lift your arm you know and if you if you do it's like it's basically like a you know a ton weight that's weighing your whole right. arm down so it's um it <laughs> It's horrible. <laughs> There's no other yeah. way to describe it. It's horrible. Um, and um, but you have to, you know, I've I've learned now that the, I've kind of learned to preempt when I might have a crash. Um, and my worst one to date has been just over right. a week where I've just been completely, you know, the first few days completely like bed bound. Um, and then if I need to kind of walk around, I've had to have my partner right. help me. So it's just it's it's not where I expected my life to go or what, how yeah. I imagined, you know, things to be, but, um, I guess you have a choice and, and the mental side is, it's difficult. You know, you, you have to, when people say, oh, you stay positive, it's like, oh, you know, it's hard. It's hard to stay positive when you're feeling all yeah. of those things and when it's, when it's happening to you, but you know, you do have to choose and you have to go, well, I'm going to feel this way regardless. So I'm going to try and, you know, say, be a bit more positive or so. Or say you know this will pass um and just think of when you know what you're going to do when you get out of the crash um but don't overdo right. it because if you overdo it you go back yeah. into a crash so yeah it's it's hard finding the the balance and say so i'm still doing it i'm still finding the balance and sometimes i get it wrong um but i think it's you know every, everyone's you know individual and, and can you, know, you have to try and judge it for yourself really, and of course so. you've got to arrange everything in your life around that somehow whether that's you know work photo shoots for example yes um how do you how do you deal yeah. with that on a sort of day-to-day -day basis um so i mean it, it's yeah again it's, it's really difficult um the how i've kind of got it now is if i'm doing a shoot on say wednesday 
I won't do anything like the week before. So I just kind of rest and it'll be like admin or perhaps editing on the, on the laptop or, you know, doing mood boards, for instance. Um, so things that take kind of minimal energy. Um, and then depending on how long the shoot day is, I mean, I know that I can kind of do three to four hours shoot time. Um, that is still taking breaks in between, but over that it gets difficult. So um, I've had to try and limit obviously what I do. Um, and then, so if I do like a four hour shoot and then the kind of few days after that, I will then have to rest. So it's kind of one day potentially out of 10, maybe that I could do something like a photo shoot. Um, and even then I have like the repercussions. So yeah, it's, it's difficult, but it's, I'm learning to live with it. And if that's what it takes me to still be able to do some photo shoots, then I'm happy with that. Um, obviously I would love to be, you know, a full-time photographer doing it, you know, Monday right. to Sunday, you know, 24 seven, but at the moment it's not possible. So, um, yeah, it's just about finding ways to, to live with it and, ex and accepting it. And that, that is difficult accepting it, accepting any sort of illness or, you know, say if, if you're a runner and you know, you, you, you sprain right. your ankle, you know, or you break, break your ankle or something, you know, you have to accept it and you have to go, well. I can't push past it because it needs to heal. So yeah, it's it's finding that balance, and um, you know, it's it's if things are going slower than I would like, but it's still moving forward. So yeah. <laughs> so that was a really powerful talk. Uh, like I said, you know, I was I was really, um, I was fascinated, you know, listening to you speak, um, and then you were also supposed to do another talk on the Monday, but of course, as all the listeners know by now, the Monday didn't actually happen at the photography yeah. show because of the Queen's funeral. It all got, some things uh, got moved to the Tuesday, I believe, and some things got, had to get cancelled uh, because of time yeah. constraints. But there was another really interesting thing that I would have loved to have um, been able to to listen to. Um, and that was, uh, that was another talk you were going to do, a, a bite-sized guide into portrait photography. Yeah, I was honestly, I was, I mean, obviously it, it, they were right to kind of cancel the show on the Monday, but I was so looking forward to this one. Um, I had it kind of all planned out and everything. And of course, moving away from the chronic illness, I mean, the chronic illness talk was so personal um, and it was a difficult one for me to kind of be vulnerable in front of other people. But this uh -huh. one was kind of just photography related. And yeah, I was, I was super excited about it, but um, it's still going to be in the works. I'm going to kind of record it and um, either put it up on my YouTube channel or it will be out with uh, potentially a partner, um, you know, with a sponsor. So uh, watch this space. It will be coming at some point. So uh, I won't give too much away. But yeah, it's just a bite-sized guide about um, getting into portraiture, um, which I think, yeah, it's, it's a, a good way to kind of learn some quick tips so you can go away and start it for yourself. What do you think is, a, is the most important uh, aspect Um for for somebody who who's thinking of getting into portrait photography um oh the most important okay um i mean there is a lot of important parts <laughs> yeah. so, um i would say just practice so with whatever camera you have it doesn't have to be a fancy camera it doesn't have to be full frame crop frame it can just be your phone just get out and start taking uh pictures of people so your friends you know um family, strangers on the street, if you want to, just just to kind of be comfortable with approaching people and having people in front of you. Um, because it's so often, you know, you can see portraits of people and, and they're great, but you can tell when someone's connected with the photographer. Um, so I think just getting confident. And then once you have that, of course, then you can kind of direct people and how you want them to stand and then what uh -huh. light you want to use. And it kind of goes on from there. So. Yeah, definitely just whatever camera you have, just get out there and start practicing and have people in front of you and, and see what works. So I think that's quite, I think that's the main, the main one. Yeah. Yeah. You also divide that. I often think, you know, it's, that's the technical side of it, you know, and, yeah. and that's really something that, that I think anybody can learn. Anybody can learn how to light a, yeah. a human being in, in a sense. Yeah. Um, but then there's, there's the creative part. And so, uh, you know, often I think photographies are split into into two these into into these two things the the technical and the creative. But I always think of a third um, element in there as well. That's particularly true for portrait photographers, and that's the communication part. Yes, that's how you communicate 
with your with your model, you know, or with your subject. That is yes. so 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 important. Um, yeah. And uh, you know, I know this from shooting headshots, um, espe- especially corporate headshots. Um, you know, where you have somebody in front of you who's who's not used to being in front of a camera at all. Um, yeah. They need all the direction they can get because they really have zero idea um, yes. of of what to do. Um, how how do you what, what do you think is is uh, maybe sort of one of the most important things when it comes to communication with your with your model? Um, I mean, so it, it depends. I work with say models and if for for want of a better word, normal people. Right. Um, and you know, some models come in and they kind of already know what they want to do or know what they want to you know say pose everything and that can actually work against them so um i think the main thing is when you first um kind of meet whoever you're photographing just build a rapport and just talk to them about normal things like what their interests are and what they've been up to that day um you know whether they're going on holiday i don't know just just general questions really yeah because then when they're in front of your camera and you can see they're a little bit nervous, you can then go back on those questions and you're building a conversation. Then all of a sudden, you just see like their their shoulders kind of relax a little bit more. Uh-huh. You know, they're kind of just talking to you as a, you know, person to person. So it kind of breaks down that, um, I think that, that barrier really. So just, yeah, just, just striking up a conversation, just, you know, they're, they're not an alien in front of you. <laughs> you know, I've seen some people and they're like, some, you know, a, a model kind of goes in front of them and they freeze up. You know, and it's um, the model is not going to bite. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So just just have a general general chit chat and um, ask some questions, and you know that's when they start to relax as well. So it just builds up that rapport between you. Yes, building that rapport is super important. Um, yeah. What I tend to do is uh, with with the headshot session is I tend to spend the first ten minutes just over a coffee, you know, or a cup yes. of tea, just basically sitting down talking about. You know, I'm trying to find out. I mean, I'm trying to. I'm trying to find out who that person is that I'm about to getting, photograph. And you're getting that caffeine in them as well. So yeah. they're kind of... <laughs> exactly. That's the other thing. But also, you know, it's like, I'm trying to find out who they are, but at the same time, I'm studying their face already. I don't yes. know that, uh, but I'm sort of, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm checking out their features and thinking about, oh, how am I going to like this person? You know, what's going to look good? Um, and of and, course, as I'm talking to them, yeah, especially with headshots, it's really important to to understand um, what profession they're in, and um, you know what the what the headshots are being used to be uh, you are used for, because that's going to inform yeah. how I'm going to portray them in in the photo. You know, obviously. So, but apart from everything else, it's just a really great icebreaker, and it then yes. gives you more ammunition later on when you actually when you're starting the shoot. Um, it gives you gives you a chance to actually come back to those things that you've learned about this person, and then just strike up small talk. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Exactly. And it's, it's funny because a lot of, um, so I shoot with a lot of like, new faces and models who are kind of, you know, say 16 to 19 years old. And um, I think one of the the best things to, to break down, like, um, I guess them being nervous in front of the camera is I'll kind of talk to them about their music. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm so, I've, I mean, I thought I was with, you know, with the music times and everything <laughs> kind of, you know, on top of everything. I don't know any of the top yeah. 40, I don't think. No um so when I te- when I talk to them they're like oh yeah I like this person this person I'm like who well goodness gracious yeah <laughs> I don't yeah. even know who these people are um but yeah then I'll go and put their music on so then they relax a bit more as well and then I kind of talk a bit more about you know the artist and why yeah. do you like them and and it, it, that that kind of breaks down that age I, I know like obviously there's a um I'm I'm not hip enough to know who the person is but it breaks down that kind of I'm the photographer, you're the model, and yeah. actually we're just friends having a good time kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. It's just getting, you know, it's connecting uh, with somebody on, on a human level. I think that's the, yeah. that's the important part. You know, I do this, um, and I've mentioned this on this podcast many times, but I do, I do a, portrait, a portrait series called Three Eds in a Row. And the yes. the idea there is is basically that um, I sort of coax really ridiculous expressions out of, <laughs> out of, out of the subject. Um, yeah. And that's... That's really, I mean, in a sense, that's really difficult to do if you don't know that person, um, and you, mm-hmm. you need to build up that trust first, you know. And it's, I, I really, this is the challenge actually in this in this particular type of project. The challenge is yeah. to get under under somebody's skin and and cre- create that connection, yeah. that trust <laughs> in like thirty minutes, <laughs> yeah, you know, or like forty five minutes or something. So I can basically get them to the point where they just don't 
you know, <laughs> give a damn anymore about what what they end up looking like in, in the photo. So, yeah, you know, but that's, uh, I agree with you. It's, you know, making a connection of building that report is so super, super important, regardless as to Absolutely. whether, you know, regardless as to whether you're shooting, I don't know, business people, actors mm-hmm. or um, or models, you know, for example. Yeah, and actually, what you just said there about getting people to pull funny faces. So I actually do that with my models as well. And I've got a whole, I should release the images, actually, because every model I kind of work with, um, it's only towards the end. I'll just say, oh, come on, then just give me a, a crazy look or something or a crazy one. Yeah. And because they've kind of settled in and they've enjoyed it, at the end, there's always like just one picture that's completely, you know, wacky or whatever. Um, but it does relax people. And it's, and you know, like you're saying, it's all about that communication that, and that rapport. And when you have that, yeah. you get those images and it's just, yeah, it's it's fun. It makes it all fun, doesn't it? it so. Yeah, it is fun. And it's, you know, there's two things um, that help me with that, uh, especially in the mm-hmm. in the sort of three ends in a row scenario is one, um, I mirror what they do. So right. I'm just as ridiculous in, in pulling faces as, as I want them to be. So, <laughs> so then they don't feel as out of place anymore because I'm because they're not alone in this you know I'm I'm being as yeah. ridiculous as they are um, but the other thing is I I ask them to bring three objects with them that mean something right, to them. Okay. You know, three three things that either are descriptive of what they do for a job or you know or, or something they they love you know something that's just dear and special to them um, yep. and that is beautiful ammunition for conversation because mm-hmm. you can you can go straight in there and go like, oh, what is this? You know, why have you brought this? Like, what has it been to you? You know, blah, blah, blah. And then they start talking, oh, well, this is, you know, this used to be my grandmother's and blah, blah. And it's been in the family forever. And, you, you know, you could just dive straight into yeah. that. And you can build mm-hmm. up that, that conversation. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, that's, I, I find that really helps in this particular case. <laughs> so I, I was just saying, I, I can see um, actually on our shelves, we've got the uh, cameras and Lego. We match. Yes, one hundred percent. Yeah, that was actually that was sorry. The shelves are. Yeah, you, you've got exactly. I think you've got exactly the same shelves as me. Beautiful. We've got the same shelves as well. Yeah, they're really good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah what is it? What are they called? Reconstituted scaffolding boards or something or whatever they whatever yeah. they're called. Yeah, really good. Brilliant. Awesome. You because you're down at the uh, you're on the Isle of Wight. Is that right? I am. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. What you think yeah. Where are you again? I'm just outside of London. Outside yeah, yeah Rickmansworth, Watford. Oh, I know it. Yes, yeah, I know it very well. I've got some friends that live there. So in Rickmansworth, <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know the funniest thing was um the first time I had uh, Dave Clayton on the show. You know we were chatting and <laughs> and so we were talking like, where are you based? Oh, I'm in Rickmansworth. Of course, I like, really I used to live in Rickmansworth. I'm like really whereabouts? He goes like, <laughs> yeah. oh, you know this street. And I'm like, seriously, that's like, oh, I mean that's 150 <laughs> yards that way. No way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so that was a funny, that was a funny coincidence. Um, so, your imagery, especially your your fashion, um, po- fashion photography, fashion portraiture, I think it's re- yeah. it's really stunning. Um, and I know that you shoot a yeah. lot of that from home nowadays. Yeah. So obviously, t- the whole thing to the chronic illness, right. and because of the pandemic as well. Um, yeah, I've just started doing more stuff at home really. So. Um, the dining room becomes a studio and you know yep. it's kind of everything's taken out and the studio comes up and and it, and it makes perfect business sense as well regardless if you have oh. chronic illness or not yes. um you know home studios it's it's where it's at and it's funny because when i first started i thought it was um i, I don't know i just i didn't like the idea of people coming to my home i didn't think that it looked very professional mm. Um, and it was actually one of my friends, um, Alfie, who, he was a, a, you know, amazing photographer. He kind of just said, look, no one cares. No one cares at all. You just, but all they care about is the final image. Um, and it's true. And, you know, you can, the, the best thing about being at home as well is it's more comfortable as well. So, yeah. you know, you can just chill out and everyone's, I think everyone feels a bit more relaxed as well in, in a home environment. So, yeah, you know, yeah. it's, it's actually interesting what you say there, um, because I, I had exactly the same, I went through the same thought process when yeah. I first started shooting from home because we had, you know, yeah. at, at one point we had, um, we had an extension built uh, to the back of the house, yeah. which is not very big, but it's, it's such a perfect yeah. little shooting space, especially for headshots mm-hmm. and, you know, I can, don't you probably do like a group of three in there or something like that, you know, it's, it's not very big. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's got a high ceiling on one, on one end. So it's, it's really perfect to get the lights up a little bit higher and stuff like that. So. Um, yeah. but I had exactly the same thoughts and I'm like, oh, 
it's going to look very professional if I've got people coming to my home, you know, especially if they're like, you know, business professionals and whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But you're right. Nobody gives a damn. Like really nobody no. cares. Um, in no. actual fact, <laughs> the fact that it's in your house and you can make it comfortable, as you say, you can yeah. really make that a strength of the whole thing. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. And yeah, and it, and it saves so much money as well. And you don't have to leave your house. So brilliant. <laughs> yeah. You know, in, in a in a former life, um, I used to run um, a private music school, actually. Oh, wow. For, for okay. 12 years or something. Um, mm-hmm. And and that included premises like a concert hall and classrooms and office and studio and all the rest of it. Um, and the premises were like the overheads were the yeah. biggest yeah pain in the ass it's... i mean oh my god <laughs> you know for any business if you can if you can slash the overheads for that it's yeah. just yeah absolutely you know actually so do you play music because i was listening to the one with you and mark and mark's saying that he does what is it west end or something he's does he sing he said he's yeah like, mark's he's a singer sings. yeah he's a west end like yeah. leading leading performer <laughs> So in in my former life, before I you know I've uh, I've also performed on the uh, West really? End. Really, have you? Uh, so as a, as a singer. Oh wow! <laughs> no way. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, so the Palace Theatre in London. So yeah, so it was interesting to hear that because obviously you don't really, you know, you speak to all different photographers, yeah. but you don't hear about the little, little nuggets of information of their previous lives. So. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> on, on one hand, it's you know it's it's funny, but on the other hand, um, it makes perfect sense because I think you know we're all creative people. And, you know, Absolutely, for a creative yeah. person to be involved in multiple creative disciplines, uh, it's kind of a no-brainer. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah absolutely. I mean, you know, music is, is um, I think it makes perfect sense. We've had, we've had quite a few guests on the show who are also musicians. Um, right. You know, Just get a band I know, going right. here. The I camera I've, I've, yeah, got yeah. A, I've got a theme I know, here. the camera shake <laughs> band. That'd be awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we had like Adam Lerner, who's like a punk guitarist. Um, uh we had oh, I don't know I can't remember lots of lots and lots of people you know <laughs> play instruments. Um, Joel Grimes is a guitarist. Oh wow! Oh yeah, because I know um, uh, Photoshop one. I think uh, Scott Kelby gets like the band the yeah. band out and yes. everything, and quite a few people would start playing and everything. Yeah, exactly. um, Sam uh, Haddix he plays guitar yeah, as well. Guitarist actually, Sam. Yeah. 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 So yeah, it's quite a few, quite a few people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I want um, uh, Katie and Sam are going to come on the podcast in in a few weeks. Um, and that'd be oh, that'd brilliant. be super interesting because uh, I could I could quiz Sam about um, about guitar <laughs> playing as well. That'd be fun. <laughs> oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, they're so lovely, honestly. I've, and it was great to see them again because I've only seen them once. So the fact they came all the way over to um, from America and you know obviously Katie did an amazing talk. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was brilliant to, to kind of catch up and see them again as well. So, yeah, which, yeah, which stupidly I missed, of course, because that's what that was on a Tuesday, and I had to leave early. So yeah. that was that yeah. was highly annoying. <laughs> um, so working with models, actually, I had a really interesting conversation with um, with Mark about about working with models. Um, <laughs> what really strikes me about about your imagery is is the lighting. Um, your lighting is so clean and crisp. And I know you do that. And then the other thing is the backgrounds as well. Actually, and I tell you what, one thing about the backgrounds is that's funny is um, I've been sort of, I've been thinking about uh, changing my, my backdrops over a little bit. And I was, uh, I was thinking yeah. of like, you know, getting into some colored backdrops. And then I kind of thought, oh man, but then I'm going to store all these, you know, rolls of backdrops. And then I saw something, some of you behind the scenes, I was thinking, oh yeah, I'm just going to get, I'm just going to get like an A1 <laughs> sheet or something. That's work. That's going to work. Perfect. Honestly, I feel like this was, I, I don't know why I didn't think of it years ago, because I used to have set up for about four or five different colored rolls of paper and I would, you know, lug them around in my car and set them up on, you know, um, you know, uh, in the halls or whatever I used to kind of yeah. rent out and everything. And um, yeah, I thought, well, if I'm doing BTS, I only see like a very small amount of background anyway, and I can always extend it in Photoshop. Exactly. So um, yeah, I kind of went into the art store one day because I, I also really like to, to paint, but um, I'm not a very good painter, right. so I won't show any of my pictures. <laughs> but yeah, I like, I like to paint as well. But, um, and I saw these, you know, the A1 card, and I thought, well, that would be perfect. Like, why haven't I done that yeah. before? So um, yeah, it's, it's definitely a lot better, uh, but only for, say, the, the portraits and the very tight, tight oh, crop shots. Absolutely. But you can wait. It. It's perfect. Yeah, I, I immediately thought of, like, oh, well, I'm, I mainly shoot headshots, so actually yeah. just perfect yeah exactly perfect. like you know so i mean sometimes it's funny this because uh because you never stop learning in photography just generally you know and 
Yeah. Um, and sometimes, you know, the solution to a problem is it's just so much simpler than you think it is. You know, I, I was thinking yes, like, oh yeah. man, I've got to create more storage because I got stuff a, a, a part <laughs> of the part of my garage is like a pantry and photography crap storage room. Basically, <laughs> I was like, oh, God, I've got to create more shelf, shelf space because I can store more rolls. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't. I mean, it's, it, it is kind of never, you know, never ending, really, isn't it? Just trying to find storage space for everything. And um, I mean, underneath the stairs, kind of all of the like lighting stands and everything. And I've got my cables in all the boxes in, in this office. And it's just kind of, it would be great to have just one room where everything is. But at the moment, it's kind of all dotted around. I know, yeah. <laughs> But it works. Yeah, yeah you it's make fine. it work. I mean, especially if you know, especially if you have a really tolerant partner. I think that's 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 the other. He's he's got yeah, got the patience of the yeah. same. I think. Yeah, I mean, it's the same. You know, it's the same with my wife. You know, my kids are totally used to it. I mean, actually, they're all used to it. But no. but um, but yeah. my wife's extremely tolerant. Again, if you know, if you could get a behind the scenes view of what's happening here, there's, there's literally crap everywhere. <laughs> um, I've got wooden boards and backdrops over there. There's. Uh, there's a beauty dish over there. There's a sea scent here. I mean, it's, it's and it's all that's where we live. You know, we kind of live in a semi studio really yeah. most of the time. Yeah, but it's just you know, it's, it's what you've got to do. I think you know, people tend to very often forget that you can you can create amazing work in 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 any space if you know how to how to do it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, actually, I did a class with. Um, Kelby one for their Photoshop world and it was called Beauty mm -hmm. Basics and um, I kind of showed so, like showed some behind the scenes of my home studio and and some A one foam board and um, uh, yeah I, I basically just stuck a piece to my shed outside and it created the oh backdrop. I saw that yes. and because yeah 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 and because the um the the lighting where the shed is it's kind of it's it's sheltered from the sun but it just it's just a lovely yeah. light. And all I need is that backdrop. Just, you know, stick it on the back of the shed with some, you know, duct tape or gaff tape and you've got a makeshift studio. And it's just, yeah, it's just so inexpensive yeah. and easy and anyone can do it. So it's just finding those little places and, and, and being, you know, seeing the light, basically seeing where you can, where you can do shots. Yeah, that's, so. that's a really important aspect, you know, seeing the lines. Um, and yeah. also, I think, realizing yeah. that, you know, you don't need to own, you know, five really expensive studio jobs or something. You can do all this. No, but it oh, is it's nice. nice. Yeah, yeah, and it has advantages, <laughs> absolutely, one hundred percent. But no, but no, actually, the past, um, the past three right. shoots I've done, actually, I've, I've set up all of my studio lights, and I've tried a lighting, um, what I thought I, w I wanted to do for that particular shoot, and actually, I didn't like it, so I went and and used natural light only, and 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 actually, I used my uh, Profoto B10s on the modeling light and did the color color temperature correction right. on there, um, and I ended up just using them as constant lights, so. Yeah, it, it doesn't have to be, you know, um, you know, like saying expensive lights and everything. It's just find what works yeah. for you and, and just experiment. And that's the best part about photography. And, and like you're saying, you're always learning. And the best the best way is just experiment and see what works and practice. Right. And, you know, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Just go on to the next thing. So, yeah, so learning how to see the light is, is really fundamental. Uh, and then it really doesn't matter whether you use, you know, because you can use... Um, you can use speed lights, you can use studio shops, you can use natural light, and of course, you can use you know uh, reflectors, and um, you can block the light, for example, you know, or you can soften the light. As long as you know how to read the light, uh -huh. it's you know, you're in the game. Now, there's one thing I know uh, that you do to practice lighting. Um, <laughs> tell us a little bit about that. Um. Well, sometimes, you know, and especially through the pandemic, you don't have somebody around to kind of be your model or be your dummy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, I thought, well, what better? I mean, sometimes you can get the polystyrene white heads and, and a lot of people practice with that. But I kind of wanted mm. to go a step further. So got myself a creepy doll head <laughs> um, and her name is Cassandra. And um, I can show you her if you want. All right. <laughs> She's Got right it. next to me. Right. Wait for it. This is this is Cassandra. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> and um, so she helps me. She's um, in the studio with me a fair bit. And uh, right. yeah, she'll help me just see, like, test the light before a model comes in. Um, and um, yeah, it's, a, it's a great way to learn. And yeah, yeah. kind of 
still a little bit creepy though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, creepy heads. I think, um, I think, I can't remember if, was it, did I post something on Instagram at one point and you said, like, oh, I've got a creepy head too. <laughs> yeah. uh, because I love practicing yeah. with the creepy head too. This is, this is Murphy. Um, Murphy. <laughs> that's it. So, um, I, I use him all the time. I, yeah. Before I switched to the, the camera body that I'm using now, I used Murphy, um, to get to like to get focus mm-hmm. sometimes um but uh, whenever I, whenever i'm thinking about you know changing up some lighting setups or something um i use them to you know to uh, to practice and to just get it get it right get it right in my head yeah exactly you know, first of all yeah um and of course you can you can pick those up like quite easily on amazon i think i got them from amazon actually for not a lot of money at all i i did i've got cassandra from amazon as well i think she's about 20 pounds i think because something I think like that I think that she's a hairdressing doll, so obviously people normally use her for. But yeah. I mean, she's she's perfect for what I kind of you know want want to use for. Although sometimes I would like her to give me a smile, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Murphy's fairly inanimate, um, <laughs> but he doesn't have any hair, so I need to I need to get him um, like a wig or something. But I, I love think. the fact he's like accessorized. He's he's ready for winter by the looks of it. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you know, one of the things. Um, one of the things that I found is that this, like just through like you know uh, practicing things and, and like setting hair lights and stuff like that is is actually that his bald head is really very shiny and so it <laughs> reacts differently. Yeah, you know, so um, so it, it it's useful for him to have to wear like a furry hat or something. Yeah, or, you know, absorb or some of the light. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's a really easy oh, way to funny. um to practice your your portrait. Um, lighting yeah. and everything is is by um he's but he's I, really he's really crap at taking direction though. That's the other thing. <laughs> yeah. But I love the fact that they both have names. Like what, what? Yeah, <laughs> I <Pepe>? think <laughs> Um I can't remember. It's probably that is it probably comes from Murphy's Law or something, but <laughs> I, I think just giving him a name made him less creepy for me. Yes, absolutely. This yeah, I hundred percent agree. I went yeah. through a whole different you know, all different names. I was kind of looking at going you know, Mindy, Mandy, like, you know, Katie, <laughs> yeah. Lucy, I'm like, no, Cassandra, I don't know. I think maybe I was watching uh, Only Fools and Horses or something. I think that oh, might yeah. have been from <laughs> so, <laughs> But uh, no, yeah, definitely it, less creepy with a name. Yeah, it's also, you know, it's it's less of a, it's less of an issue when you have when you have a client walk in and they see this thing. This, he's usually on my shelf. <laughs> and they look at him like, what the hell is that? <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, it's Murphy, you know. Yeah, <laughs> he's my standard <laughs> sometimes. So, but um, we were going to do it. We were talking about doing a creepy hat shootout. We are. I'm not. I'm not quite sure what this involves yet, and, and we haven't really discussed it yet, have we? So I'd uh, okay. love to hear what you think. <laughs> okay. Get to... So I think it would be a good idea for us to do a creepy hat shootout, where we basically um, yeah. shoot our creepy hats as if there were models, in, you know, in some kind, of, in, in any way that we want. Okay. Right? So it okay. could be like it could be like a, a beauty shoot, or it could be whatever. It could be. Anything, anything that we want, but we basically um, put we treat him as if he was a, or her, as if they were real, real okay. people, okay. and we we, we can make it make it look as interesting as possible because you know because it is because I do think it's you know these these fake heads are brilliant practice tools and they're brilliant yeah. learning tools, absolutely, um, and it's 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 funny how not that many people talk about those as a, no. as a tool you know and this is, uh, this is the thing so when I when I saw that you're using one and I'm sure there's, there's many photographers out there who use them but uh, you know when I saw that I thought oh this is really cool you know? I'm just I'm just going to remove her from the background because it's kind of creeping me out <laughs> 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 she's just like looking there staring so yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's put Cassandra Bray for a minute <laughs> cool um, and then what you know what we could do is um, not only can we put that you know an image together using our creepy then, hats, but also at the same time, then it's a it's a perfect opportunity to you know to to show and to tell our you know viewers and listeners um, how we arrived at the result. So it's a perfect okay. learning opportunity, actually. Um, okay, sounds good. And again, you know, this is something that you can do in your home studio. Or, yes, you know, in absolutely. Your, in your home, it's a really great way of of practicing lighting. Um, right. No, we know we're coming. We've come out of the pandemic, apparently. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. I'm. I, I am dreading this winter, though. Kind of cases are kind of you know slowly going up again. So yeah, you know, I don't know what's going to happen, but hopefully we're we're all living in, living with it now. And I'm say I'm 
I'm glad that the photography show happened and I'm glad that it's going to happen again, you know, in 2024. So fingers crossed everything stays all right until yeah, then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, what happened at the, on the Isle of Wight? Did they at some point like pull up the drawbridge? <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, I think they always did. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think ferries had stopped at some uh, at one point for anyone but people who lived here. So yeah. it was kind of like, you're not coming in, bye. <laughs> yeah. um, but it has been quite bad here on the island and there's only one hospital here. So yeah, it's, it's quite... Um, it's quite difficult, but yeah. I've I've been on the Isle of Wight once. Yes, I've been yeah I've been a, I've, yeah. yeah I've been there once. It was really quite interesting. I went there to see uh, like a rock formation, which now the name escapes me. Is it called the needle heads or pinheads or something? Oh yeah, the needles, the, the needles, needles. pinheads. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah, the needles. Yeah, brilliant, lovely place. Yeah. yeah so um, so yes, I, I remember it a little bit. It's um, how how did the pandemic affect you guys over there? Did you like were you literally stuck on the island, or could you could you still move off and on? Um, yeah, kind of move off and on um, a little bit, but you didn't really have to, to be honest. So um, yeah, yeah it's everything everything you needed is here really, and and so we only live five minutes from the beach, so oh, great. it was kind of nice <laughs> and to kind of go and have the whole beach to yourself and no tourists. So it was it's good. Oh yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember it um, last, but the one time I was there was probably about maybe four years, I guess four years ago. Before yeah. the pandemic, so maybe four or five years ago, um, and it was pretty ramped with um, with yeah. tourists. Yeah, it's been really busy this summer. Actually, it's been you know, it's it's always too much, and I think. But now people are starting to go abroad again. Hopefully, it will be a bit quieter. Yeah, you know, and the UK seaside destinations, but um, yeah, it definitely it definitely has made a huge difference here. So. Yeah, it's a great. I mean, it's a great landscape down there as well. That's the other thing. Yeah, it's beautiful, and there's red squirrels here, which I'd never seen before. So. There's a, a little secret spot I go to to go and photograph red squirrels. So, Ooh, okay. That's, nice. that's very <laughs> I might take Cassandra one day. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> See what the squirrels make of her. <laughs> that's interesting. You know, that's interesting. I, I actually, I grew up with red squirrels, funnily enough. Really? Uh, yeah, because in the south of Germany where I grew up, um, all squirrels are red. Oh, wow. And so for you, it's normal for you. <laughs> kind of. I'd never seen a grey squirrel before um, yeah. until I think I saw my first grey squirrel uh, when I moved to the US and... Uh, and then I was really surprised to learn that there were all pretty much only gray squirrels in the UK with, you know, with <laughs> the sub pockets of other squirrels. Yeah. But interesting thing. Um, Sean, it's been lovely to have you on the show. Um, Thank you. Absolutely. Um, an absolute pleasure. Um, we'll be back with another episode uh, where we'll do a, a creepy yes, shootout. Um, in... I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> yeah, this, this will be fun. This will be fun. Um, it's been it's been amazing to have you on the show. Uh, thank you so much uh, for your time. Um, as always, there's been some golden nuggets in there for for all of our listeners and viewers, not readers. Never mind. <laughs> say that. Um, and uh, yeah, so watch out for the second part of this episode where we'll talk where we'll be going into depths of uh, of how to shoot creepy hats at home. <laughs> Brilliant. I love it. <laughs> Excellent. So we have come to the end of this week's episode. This was uh, Camera Shake Podcast episode 125. Um, remember that if you are listening to the audio version, uh, head over to YouTube where you can see our beautiful faces in full Technicolor and listen to our beautiful voices in stereo sound. Anyway, that's it. Uh, we'll be back next week. <laughs> <laughs>